All right, we're going to start our next session, and our next speaker is a pastor at the Church of St. Charles, where he's been pastoring since 1996, and in his spare time, he's actually a family physician, He's a very, very busy person. Give it up for pastor and Dr. Michael Adams. Thank you. All right, well, I'm glad to be here this morning. Uh, Mike asked me to, to do this a few weeks ago, and so I was happy to be uh, able to be a part. I want you to know that um, Mike is a great resource, and so if I ever have a question like, well, how, where did I get this? Or I did a thing on spiritual warfare a few years ago, and I said, hey, Mike, what's a good book on that? And here's what, he gave me 18 books, you know, or something <laughs> like that I could read. So, so anyway, uh, thanks for having me here today. Also, some people say that I talk faster than they can hear. So uh, if I talk too fast, just kind of bear with me and I get my tangle tangled up sometimes. So we'll, uh, we'll try to do our best and, and go from there. So let's open in prayer and then we'll get started. Father God, we're thanking you for your presence here with us. Thank you for the gift of your spirit that guides and directs us, gives us eyes to see, ears to hear. And so we ask for that this morning. We ask to, we, we're here because we want to hear from you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, my subject is how, to, how do we flourish as a disciple of Christ in our relationships. And so, you, you know, you had the, Mr. Sanders talking last time on the family. And so, um, you know, that has some very specific issues and concerns and biblical points that, ha- that needs to be made about that. And so, but I've got, mine were kind of like all the other relationships. And so I felt like You know, it's not like one of those things where I can give you like, uh, hey, go see your neighbor every other week or, you know, this is what you do for your work associate or that kind of thing. Those are all there, but there's a million of them. And so what I thought we would do is talk about, in principle, how to deal in those circumstances, situations, what God might be having us to do in, um, in that situation, in those situations. Okay, so where are we going? What's the goal so we're, we're disciples of Christ, that's what, that's what we are. We want to flourish in whatever we determine that's going to mean in a minute, and we want to flourish in our relationships, which are a gazillion of them that come across our life. We don't want to deal with our relationships, though, <clears throat> like some might say that uh, Moses, uh, when he was dealing with the Hebrews, when God said, hey, uh, I'm, some of your, uh, your heritage is uh, in... Uh, in captivity and being abused, and so uh, I'm going to send you down there to Egypt to free him up, and I'll see you when you get back. See, it's not like that, is it? He's, he's with us all the time, and so that's how we want to deal with all of our relationships, circumstances, situations, is that knowing that he's there. You know, even that um, in Philippians chapter 4, you know, it talks, to, it talks about being anxious for nothing, but the very, the very, very, very end of the first verse, right before that, it says, the Lord is near. And so that's what we need to always hang on to all the time. Uh, so each of us, as disciples of Christ, that's why you're here, we're being asked to impact each of our individual relationships, those that God brings across our path, as he will personally, specifically guide and direct us on those all certain particular circumstances of that relationship, basically. Also, just a quick side note, if you, I think you have a handout or an outline, um, 
I made some changes last night or night before, so it's not going to be perfect for you, so bear, bear with me if uh, there's a little bit of, of change there. So, and sometimes some relationships are like comets. You know, they come into your life and they're gone. And God, you know, maybe it's somebody at the service station, the cashier, you know, who knows. And, but the other ones are lifelong, and some, some of them are in the middle of all that. So, okay, so this is one that's different because my definition here at the very beginning was a little different than your handout. I know that. So that, that's defined a disciple of Christ. It's a follower of Jesus who manifests Jesus' character in all of our relationships. That's what he wants. Is that we were, you know, it says in 2 Corinthians 5 that he says, hey, I'm going to talk through you. Okay? And so, hey, if God's going to talk through us, he's saying, I want, you're going to represent me. You're going to say my words. You're my uh, disciple. You're my ambassador. Also, WWJD, I like it. Instead of what's Jesus going to do, you know, what would he do here? Um, you know, like if you're driving in the car with your wife or your husband and you come to, um, drive through and you think, okay, I wonder what she or he would want. No, you say, hey, what do you want here? And Jesus is with us all the time. And so let's walk with him daily. That's the, that's the statement. And to remember, the big thing we have to fight is the me, my, mine. Now, that's all of us. We all have to struggle with that. And we have to remember, remember, remember that life's about God and what he's doing. And we're you know, it says, Paul says, I'm his slave, I'm his bond servant. And so we are too. And so we want to always keep that in mind that it, it's about him first and foremost. Flourish, defined as a Christian, as a Christian disciple. One of, one of the things and the big point of where we're going today is to grow and to mature as a child of God. The mature is the big part. The second one says the goal is maturity in the sense that Christ has lived out through our lives. And so that's, that's the whole point. We want to grow and grow and grow into his character, you know, demonstrating his character more and more and more. And, you know, a lot of times uh, we see that in, in the family with a, a, a daughter or a son and the p parents, you know, you see that like, oh man, no question, he's their son or whatever, or daughter. So, and Christianity is kind of like a walking up an escalator the wrong way. Uh, basically, you know, it's, it's, you're going up against it, and if you stop, oh, well, you just start going backwards. You've got to be going forward. You've got to be putting energy into it. You've got to be putting uh, effort into the process. And so uh, if a plant flourishes, you know, it's going to bear fruit, and so that's where we're headed. We want to bear fruit. Well, let's talk about what that means for a second. Matthew 13, 18-21, you're all familiar with this. It's the, seed and the sower and the seed. And so the story is, the sower throws the seed, some lands on a path, some in the rocks, some in the thorns, and some in good soil. And so it's always nice when Jesus explains things to us and says, here's what it means, black and white. That's, I like it that way, and I don't have to figure it out. So he says, here then, Jesus speaking, the parable of the sower. When someone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart, this is what was sown along the path. And so there's somebody that they don't hear it, they don't see it, they don't, they don't get it, there's nothing. I have a relative that I talk to periodically, and so I always know when she's watching television. Because I'll be talking, she'll go, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. And they're not even appropriate places, you know. It's just like, what? I'll say, okay, I'll talk to you later, you know, that kind of thing. So they don't get it at all. 
And then, and so basically that person, they're the disciple of the me, my, mine. That's what, it's all just about them. That's all they know. In 20, it says, um, as for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. And so this is a disciple of ease, not really the real thing, right? Something comes along, you know, hey, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't cheat on your income tax, you know, give, give the last piece of pie away, you know. There's no diabetics in here, are there? Okay, good. All right, so you know what I'm saying. They're, they just they want it easy, and they're not going to do anything for some religious situation that's going to put them in a bind. In 22, it says, as for what was sown among the thorns, well, this is one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the um, deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. You know, this is basically, we all know this, disciple of the world, disciple of pleasure, disciple of things. That's, that's, that's their deal. And as for the one, uh, what was sown on the good soil, this is the one whom hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, another 60, another 30. And so, you know, basically, this is the, the Christian who, and, the, you know, when we think about this, I think a lot of times when we read it, and at, which I've always done, just kind of just quickly reading through it, you're always thinking that bearing fruit means that he's going to witness and a lot of people are going to come to Christ because of him or her, you know, and, and that, that, is, that, that is fruit bearing, there's no question about that, but I don't think that's exactly what he's saying here as I was preparing, and so let's see. What does it mean to bear fruit? Well, I think part of it is, in this case, because we're talking about somebody that understands, somebody that sees, somebody that hears. And so I think Galatians 5, which you're familiar with, 22 in particular, tells us, and 23 tells us what we are, what's, what the fruit is, basically. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Remember, patience is not, hey, it's nice and easy. Patience is long-suffering when it's coming at you. You hold on to it and you still live the Christian life when it doesn't go the way you want. And so, uh, kindness. Kindness, I just want to make a comment about this. Kindness is one of those things that if somebody says, hey, uh, you know, I'm a great Christian and they are rude and crude, that lack of kindness is really one that really kind of says, I don't know. And I'm not judging because it tells us in First uh, John, you know, that somebody says, I love my, I hate my brother, but I'm a follower of Christ. He say, hey, he's a liar. So God doesn't say you can't understand maybe where somebody's coming from. And so when there's no kindness, you know, that's like, what's going on there? Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to uh, Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so when I'm thinking about the sower and the seed, I'm thinking about, you know, somebody's getting rid of the weeds, because we all have weeds still, don't we? Because we have the old sin nature still with us. We put it to death, you know, it says, you know, we've tried to, we've crucified it, but we know that that means in part that we want to have greater and greater and greater control over it through the power of the Spirit in our lives. And so... uh, 
And it says, and if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So you don't want to be ahead of the Spirit. You don't want to be behind the Spirit. You want to walk with the Spirit daily. Um, and so that's basically, and up there too, uh, where it says the fruit of the Spirit, you'll notice that's singular. It's not the fruits of the Spirit are. So the evidence of the Spirit is those things, and we should see all those things basically in our lives. And so... Now, this is back to our maturity statement. This is where we're headed, the demonstration of Christ's character. Him, Paul's saying here, him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom. You know, wisdom is, is not knowledge. Wisdom is knowledge put into effect. You know, a lot of people, there's a lot of teachers, professors at uh, Princeton and Harvard that have a lot of knowledge that aren't Christians that teach the Bible. And so wisdom is, is understanding how it all fits together and how to use it, when to use it, when not. That we may present everyone, that's his goal, he's saying here, right here, mature in Christ. For this I toil, so he's going to put some effort into it, but the struggle is all with Christ's energy that he powerfully works within me. So it's always by the power of the Spirit. Anything, that, anything we understand, anything we do that's of any meaning is always going to be Spirit empowered. We can do a lot of things in the flesh, say a lot of things in the flesh, but that's not, that's not how it works in the Christian walk. Uh, John 7, 37 30 through 39, this is another one of those times when he tells us, hey, this is exactly what I'm talking about. And he says, if anyone's thirsty, Jesus speaking, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And, but this he spoke of the Spirit, who uh, those who believe in him were to receive. And, of course, to me, this is an empowerment. You know, it's not, he didn't say a little trickle of stream. He says, uh, flow rivers of living water. And so that's a lot of power. That's a lot of ability. That's a lot of, but it's not, a, it's not like an explosion. It's, an, it's very regimented. It's very regular. God gives us his guidance and direction. The words are saying, they are, we'll need them. Don't you love the pastors that say, here's the four P's or the five D's, you know, that kind of thing? Well, you know. But here's what I'm doing. I'm going to do it today anyway. And so I, took, I, I thought, thought I'd take Flourish and just kind of look at it for a second and see the, some of the characteristics that should uh, be present. We you know when it says uh, faith without works is dead, you know, we know works don't save us. But what it is saying is that you're going to see the character of Christ if Christ lives within you. And so these are some of the characteristics and things you're going to see when the Spirit lives within us. And so the F was fruit of the Spirit, which we looked at a few minutes ago. I, I could have put forgiveness in there because that's a tough one, too. You know, it's, I hate to seek forgiveness. You know, it's, I hate doing it. And that's pride and arrogance, right? And so when I finally get to it and say, okay, God, I'll go do it, then I'll do it. But I don't do it right away. It takes a little time sometimes to say, get myself right and ready and, uh, and, and humble, you might say, to kind of like say, okay, I was wrong here, whatever. But so forgiveness could have been in there too, but fruit of the Spirit, all those things we read a few minutes ago, that's a good thing. Love for the L, and that we know that's agape love, it's sacrificial love, it's, it's, it is back to that giving the last piece of pie, two guys, one pie, here you take it, and to take it, here, you can have it, it's no big deal. Overcomers, there's, I see that a couple of things there for the O, 
um, trials and tribulations in life, you know, uh, consider it all joy, my brother, and encounter various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect result. You'll be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We're overcomers to the trials and tribulations of life. You know, it says in 2 Timothy, uh, young men, you have overcome the evil one. And so we're overcomers. We're victorious in Christ. Uh, unity, I thought that was a good one that we should mention, since we, especially since we're talking to the church. Unity is a big deal. I mean, there's one spirit, one Lord. And so I think that's, uh, uh, you know, very important. Um, I have, I can tell this is probably my first set of slides and not my second ones. Because I had a note here that I don't see. So just in just when we get down here, my next slide isn't going to be what I thought it was going to be. So anyway, but unity, the next slide was going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, and it talks about basically a lot of the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, humility and oneness and unity and all those things. And it also, there it is. And so let's go ahead and go to it. So how do we get there, walk with Jesus daily? There we go. All right, so it says, Therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. Uh, and that's, again, that, that's that uh, slave, bondservant, prisoner. It's, he has no rights, as he's saying. Urge, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, long-suffering, bearing with one another, you know, we're not all at the same place. You know, some is going to be 100, some 30, some 60, you know. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Why? There's one body, there's one spirit, as you are called to one hope and belongs to, you know, that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, a lot of ones there, isn't it? One baptism, one God and Father of all, with all over all and through all in all. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of unity there, and that's what the church should be, is we consider others more important than ourselves. Okay. Uh, relationships, okay, that seems obvious, but they are essential, and we need to look at all the different relationships as being important in our life, and not just, well, that person's, they're rude and crude, they're not nice, uh, they're not important. You know, and one of those things that you can do is when you have a, somebody you're not getting along with very well, you can say, God, create a need, I pray, God, create a need in that person that I can meet. Because once you start meeting needs in somebody's, you know, in their life, that really kind of softens them. God really uses that a lot of times to break down walls. So, but we have relationships, recognize the relationships, don't write off relationships, just always be eyes to see and ears to hear. What are you saying, God? Uh, I think also uh, the, in Flourish, we should be inspirers of people, encouragers of people. Now, you'll notice that at those uh, verses that are phrases I have there come from um, 1 Corinthians 13, the 7th verse, and it's the NIV version. I'm not crazy about that version, but it, I do like it in a few places, and I'm going to have both of them today. It says, <laughs> sorry, okay, it says, always protects. You know, New American Standard, English Standard Version, don't use that, but always protects. That's an inspiration to me. Hey, they are, they're always out there for my best. They're for protecting me. And that word protect means kind of like you're a parent with your child. You're in a, a, a um, chat parking lot. And somebody spins their tiles out, and you put your child like this. 
You are protecting them, and yet you take it. You take the blow, so to speak. So always protecting, always trusting, not being naive. It's just saying, hey, until proven otherwise, I'm going to believe you. Okay? Hopes. Always looking for the best. I'll say this five times a day. People get sick and tired of me uh, saying this during the day. I said it yesterday, once or twice. Somebody comes in, they say, "Uh, you won't be able to, uh, half-empty cup, Will you, you and you, you know, we want to be half full cups, okay? And that's what this guy that hopes is. He's, hey, we can do this. We're going to get it done. And perseveres, you know, just continues on, continuing on, getting through, uh, working through the trials and tribulations and processes of life. Smiles, that goes along with that kindness. Isn't it a whole lot different when somebody smiles at you versus somebody frowns and say, well, there goes a godly man. You know, we don't want frowning. We want to be smiling and kind. And, and, and of course, as you grow as a Christian, it's real. You know, you're not faking it. And humility, of course, is just at the top of the list, really. Uh, you know, considering others more important than yourself, that's in second, or, uh, Philippians chapter 2, too. You know, Christ, have the same mind that Christ has. You know, he was humbled himself to the point of dying on a cross for us. You know, magnificent, wonderful. And so humility, putting others... Above us is, you know, a big part of what Christianity, uh, God asks from us. Now, how do we get there? And, of course, that's that walking with Christ daily. Now, the next two slides, you may be familiar with um, a Bible study by Henry Blackaby. It's called Experiencing God. I got these points kind of from that study. And so I change the words a little bit sometimes. But the point is the same. And so we'll work through that. And so... Uh, so here's just a few facts. First that we know, we'd all agree on, that God is working all around us, right? Everywhere, every situation, when we're driving in the car, when we're in the grocery store, when we're at home, when we're alone, doesn't matter. God is always there. He's, he holds it all together. It says in Colossians, the first chapter, he created it all. He holds it all together. It's all him. And so why wouldn't he be there in the moment when something's happening? He's always there. And so he, and he's holding it together. So Number two, God desires a growing, maturing, intimate, personal relationship with us. We wouldn't argue with that because we know he does. He wants us to grow, 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 knowing him better, 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 representing his character better, 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 more, more, more. Number three, God will ask you to join him. That's the key. When he's going to give you eyes to see and ears to hear, he says, something's happening. You say, oh, God, I think you want me to or say or do you know, he's the one that's orchestrating things. And so we just, you know, we're always praying, God, give me eyes to see. And then he's going to speak to us, though. It's not going to leave it in a big question mark. He will speak. And so I had some kind of fun things that happened through the years that I thought might explain this out a little bit better. So one, he speaks to you through the Bible. All right. So one of my sons one time said, uh, it was right December before he's getting married, and he said, and I'm wanting to spend a little time with him, okay? And he says, uh, I'm going to Chicago to work with Uptown Baptist Church on a 10-week mission trip up there. And I said, I, what? I don't know anything about that. Where did that come from? He goes, thus saith the Lord. I go, what? <laughs> thus saith the Lord? Okay, fine. So then I'm saying, okay, um, God, later... God, uh, am I, I mean, I feel really good about this, though you can't trust your feelings. 
And then me, my mind, you know, so I'm saying, okay, God, what do you want me to do here? How do you want me to handle it? How am I, should I be an encouragement to this? I mean, it sounds like a great thing, but, you know, is that what you want from me to help support him? Okay, fine. So, amen. Open my Bible. I'm just reading through the New Testament at the time. I happen to be in the first book of Mark, or first chapter of Mark. And so I'm just reading a few verses, and it says, And Jesus came along the shoreline, and uh, James and John were up on the boat with their father Zebedee, and Jesus calls them and said they left their father and followed Jesus. And so I was like, bingo, bingo. Okay. Another, and also, just a side note there. Because, and my wife said, hey, why don't we take, we were doing youth at the time. We were insane. No, we were doing youth, and it was, it was good. It was good. It was good. And so my wife says, why don't we take them to Chicago for one of the weeks that different churches came in and whatever. And so basically we went and did it. A lot of street people and vacation Bible schools and low-income kids and <clears throat> Hispanic and black and white and all different nationalities. And actually in the block, the one-mile radius of where we were, there were 60 different nationalities. So anyway... So we went and did that, and then we said, man, this, this mission stuff's kind of, we really, that's really hitting home. We really like it. And so ultimately, basically, our church was an, out, an extension of that idea that happened in that, uh, that summer. And so you, you just never know what little decision you make about something changes everything. Another one that's kind of interesting, um, I was, I had a surgeon friend of mine, called me one day and said, hey, I know this guy who's uh, <clears throat> just getting out of the Air Force position. He's looking for a place to go. I told him he ought to talk to you. I said, okay. I had a relationship with another physician early on in my practice and it, in my pr- physician life, and it didn't go very well. Most of that was because I wasn't a Christian, so it was me, my mind. It was all that arrogant stuff and, you know, Whatever. And so uh, I, I'm not really excited. I'm a Christian now, then, but I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I want to get in another relationship with another doctor, you know, that whole thing. And so, so I'm praying that one morning. I say, okay, God, what do you want me to do here? You know, is this something you want me to move forward in or whatever? I don't really know what to do. And our church at the time was doing, um, not the church we're at now, we were doing uh, like one of those 40 days through the Bible or 40-day study on this or that or something. And so, so I said, amen, open up. What's my study for today? Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threshold, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Dr. Houchin and I have been associates for 31 years come July. So, you know, that's not an everyday thing. Okay? So he wants to speak to us through the Bible. He also wants to speak to us through prayer. You know, prayer goes with a lot of things, because when you're talking to God, that's always prayer. Sometimes you're reading and talking. George Mueller read through the Bible four times a year, and he memorized and meditated on it. And, you know, and so you can be reading and saying, okay, God, I see what you're saying here. You know, there's that communication. 
But sometimes, you know, we come to God and say, okay, God, what's going on here? I'm not really sure what's happening or, and that kind of thing. And so <clears throat> we had a church just a few years ago came to us and said, um, we would like to maybe get involved in the ministry a little bit more because ours is kind of a little bit more of a low-income ministry. And, um, and so, and at this time, you know, we happened to be like, uh, we had like $400 worth of bills that we didn't really have the money for. And so, so myself and uh, Minister Music at the time was going to go meet with this um, associate pastor and they were going to get more involved. And I said, hey, I just, I told the, the associate pastor, or the um, Minister of Music, I said, I know it sounds weird, but I just really sense God saying, don't say anything about the $400, you know, because they said they want to help us, but don't say anything about the $400. I don't know. I just feel like we shouldn't say anything. So we didn't. And so, um, because I just felt like that's what God's saying. Okay, so fine. About 3 o'clock that afternoon, I got a text from um, the uh, lady that does our books, and she said, I just want you to know, uh, somebody made a $3,500 donation today. I've told that story, and some people say, you know, if you'd ask for the 400 that's probably all God would give you. You just trust him, and boom, he'll take care of you. So he answers prayer. He gives you, you know, he meets the needs of your life, and he's, it's his deal, see? That's the thing. We don't have to create it. We don't have to make it happen. It's his thing. Circumstances here, this is kind of circumstances and a prayer, I guess, at the same time. For years, we've had a community meal on Wednesday nights, and so at this particular time, my wife was kind of heading it up, and uh, we had $200 in the bank. We had um, money or had the uh, main dish and that kind of stuff uh, already settled, but we didn't have any uh, anything for the sides and dessert. Dessert again, diabetic, sorry. Uh, but we didn't have anything for dessert and stuff. And so the, we were, our church was over a food pantry at the time. And so the, the food pantry, the guy that ran it was the, one of the most godly men I've ever met. He says, here's the key to the pantry. He says, you ever need anything, you just go down and you get it anytime. One time we took his last cookies and he sent me a note two days later. and says, oh, by the way, we got a truckload of cookies today. You know, so that's just the way it works. But anyway, he says, here's the key. So that Sunday before the Wednesday, I go downstairs, the cupboard's bare. Nothing down there, hardly at all. So on Tuesday, I um, told my wife, I said, okay, we got 200 bucks. That's definitely enough to buy sides and, and a dessert or something. But uh, I'm going to run by the church first just to check on the pantry, just see if anything's happened in two days. So I'm driving away. I say, okay, God, it's your deal. Um, I got 200 bucks. Maybe that's how you're wanting to, you know, minister to the folks on Wednesday night. That's how you want to meet that need. You know, he says, ask, seek, knock. You know, I said, God, in my opinion, is it better if the food pantry had it, you know, instead of me or instead of the church, you know. So I pull into the church, walk up into the door. If you come up to the walk down to where the podium's at, right to the door, just like that one over there, it's down to the pantry. As I walk up to the podium, there's an envelope. I open it up to check for $200. I go into the pantry. It's loaded. Gourmet ice cream, sorry. Gourmet ice cream, chips, just anything you want. And so, so I go home with all of that and $400. You know, see, that's just how it works. God speaks through the church. 
We don't even have to give any details there, you know. When we come to the church, we ought to expect to hear from God. And you, we've all been in situations where you, you're sitting there and you're going, who told Mike about that? <laughs> He's talking right to me. Somebody must have snitched, you know, that kind of thing. And that's God speaking, you know, that's how it works. Of course, Mike will tell you, He's up there talking sometimes, and it'll come out of our mouths, and we'll go, oh, God, that was for me, wasn't it? Yeah, just like, and so, so God speaks through the church. And so um, I used to say, when I talk about this sometimes, because I think it's vital, when I talked about circumstances, I used to say, now, if you're driving down the street and you find a six-pack, it doesn't mean God left it for you. You know, that's circumstances. (laughs) But, 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 but. As I, if I really studied it more, circumstances means just all those circumstances of life and trying to interpret them. It's like, hey, God, what are you saying here? And that kind of thing. So that's how we really should look at it. But be careful, though. The devil can twist circumstances. You know, he can, in a moment in time, he can twist things and you can really, he can try to make things confusing. But God, he says, you know, there's no darkness in God. He'll make it clear and evident to you if you'll talk to him about it. Uh, Number five, basically, you're going to come to a crossroad sometimes in your decision-making process. You think God's telling you to do this. You know, you're at that crossroad. Uh, It could be a Y in the road if you want to say that. And you feel like, okay, I really believe this is what God wants me to do, and so I'm going to do it. Well, then you got to do it. That's what seven is. When you are six is, you... um, you will be asked to step out in faith to get your life lined up with, with Christ. So why some people don't become Christians or don't want to become Christians is because they know they're going to be sent to Africa. And, you know, and so, well, he does send some people to Africa. That's fine. And so if, if you felt like it in five, I'm thinking he's sending me to Africa. And then you say, he is. And so I'm going. Then you've got a six. You've got to do things. You've got to sell your house. You've got to make arrangements. You've got to do things. And that's what 6 is just saying. You've got to do things to do what he wants you to do, to accomplish what he wants you to do. You know, you, make, you have to go bake a pie because he wants you to take it to the people next door or, you know, a meal for, you know, uh, um, somebody's, uh, you know, passed away or, you know, you're taking a meal to somebody's sick or whatever. You've got to go do something because of what he's told you. And then the neat thing is that's 7 that's when you're just living with life with Christ and, and he's teaching you more about himself and you're, you're, you know, just all like those answers of prayer and stuff I was talking about. It just helps you understand what he's saying more. You're a little more sensitive. Spurgeon said we ought to be like a cork on the water responding to God. If God says this, you're there. If he steps here, you go there. You know, that's how it should be. And so that's how we all want to grow in our relationship with Christ. The question, though, and I think it's a great question, the question is not, what is God's will for my life? Because all of us teens might, not us teens, but all the teens might say that, you know, what's God's will for my life? That's not the question. It's what is God's will? God's working around us. You just need to be saying, where are you working, God? Where are you working? Oh, do you want me involved with that? It's not about me. It's about God. What's he want in our life? And so that's the question. 1 Timothy 4, 13, 4 through 13 says, uh, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of the scriptures, to exhortion, uh, and to teaching. And so I just want to read just a little bit of Colossians here, and, uh, and then we'll see how it pertains to what we're talking about. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above 
where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. So see, as we're reading this, we ought to be saying, "Uh uh-oh, he's talking to me. That's how we should be reading this. You know, what have I talked about before? What are we talking about now? What's God saying to us specifically? These are his words. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. You know, get rid of the weeds, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil, desires, and covetedness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. But now you must put them all away, anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, the, here, there, is, here there is not Greek or uh, Jew or circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ in all and in, uh, in all and all and all. Put on as God's chosen ones. This is one right, the NIV says, clothe yourself. I love that. See, that's what clothe yourself as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, all the things we've been talking about, meekness, fruit of the Spirit, patience, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. So just to say that as we're reading through that, there may be an issue in your life where you should be forgiving somebody or seeking forgiveness. As you read that, you ought to say, "Uh uh-oh, God's talking to me. That's how you ought to be reading it. As the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body. There's that unity again. And see how many times he says thankful. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God the Father through him. So when you come to the Bible you go to, and come to church, you, know, you ought to expect to hear from God. Okay, so how do... How to be on the path to flourish as a disciple of Christ, cultivation. You've got to get rid of the weeds, the junk in your life, in our lives, and get and, and be, you know, that's the difference. The hundredfold, the sixtyfold, the thirtyfold, you know, that's that, that soil is being prepared more and more and more. It says they grow, they're growing. You know, we're not all going to go to the same place, that's true. And, uh, but the point is, is that as we cultivate our soil, we will grow more, we will bear more fruit, we will have a greater impact on the world around us. So read and study the Bible, the Word of God. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds. That transformation means metamorphosis. It's a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, not a, a, a weak caterpillar gets to be a strong caterpillar. It's not like that. And so take in the Bible. You've got to do that. Talk to God all the time. Practice the presence of God, what we said 
30 minutes ago. Make sure that you are always aware that God is always with you all the time. There's a guy named Brother Lawrence who was a monk about five or 600 years ago, wrote a book, and they titled it, a bunch of letters that he wrote, really, and they called it The Presence of God, um, but he practicing the presence of God. But he would be washing dishes or whatever, and he'd say, God, you're here with me. You know, He got in the habit of recognizing that God was always with him. Memorization and meditation is a, essential. You know, Then you've always got your Bible with you when you memorize it. You can meditate on it, which means to think about it and you know, it's actually the word in the, in the Greek means to, to, like, chew your cud. You think about it and think about it. I won't go into a lot of detail there. But the point is that you go over and over and over it. And so, and you can do it wherever you are. And again, back to the transformed by the renewing of our mind. You know, that's Romans 12.1. Uh, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I won't sin against thee. You know, that's, you know, first, um, Psalms 119.11. So, you know, he, he's saying you've got to have that inside of you. And then I'll pull it out at the moment when you need it. How to be on the path to flourish as a disciple of Christ. Get in the game. There's something for all of us to do. Everybody has something to do. Look. Look, at God's, look for God's activities around you, which is your invitation to be a part of what he's doing. If, if you hear about something, you know, it's like that little thing in your heart goes, twing. You know, maybe God's wanting you to be a part of that, you know, to give, to help, to serve, whatever. There is no coincidences. See, that's true, right? And there is no random acts. Oh, that just happened. And then make church attendance a priority because that's what's encouraging one another. You hear from the Bible. You hear the word preached, and God transforms us through that. Let's see. What did I say? Oh, by the way, make church attendance a priority. Okay? It, can't, it shouldn't be. It says the church is the body of Christ. We know that. How well can the body function if the hands or the feet or the eyes stay home? Not very well. Let's just say we're walking down a railroad track, and the feet are there, and the arms are there, and the eyes are there, but the ears stay home. What could, what's going to happen? Boom, from behind you. So... God, he's put us all together to accomplish what he wants to accomplish, but he needs the church, all the church. And so there shouldn't be an easy excuse to stay home or to make, you know, nah, I don't feel really good today. I didn't sleep really well last night. You know, it's like, that shouldn't be. We, we, if I told you for real that God in the flesh is going to be here tomorrow, I bet this room would be filled with people because you go tell everybody besides you being here, you know? And so that's what we have to understand. So how can you flourish as a disciple of Christ uh, in your relationships? Stay on the path of maturity by your daily walk with Christ. Pray for eyes to see and ears to hear and the feet that will go wherever you see him working in and around the relationships in your life. And look around, what is God's will? And that's the church. It's all put together, different faces, different arms, different hands, but it's, that's how he does it. And uh, that's it. So that's all I know, actually. So you got it all in 45 minutes or so. Now, that's only the first half, though. Uh, we're going to take five minutes. I'll be back. And we'll, what? No? Okay. All right. <laughs>
Okay, we're going to give away a few books and a few mugs, and then we'll be on it. Okay, so, all right, so. Thank you. Give it up for Pastor Adams. Um, he and his wife actually uh, wrote a book together, and he's actually brought one for each one of us here to have. So can, it's really focused on how to have a quiet time. So can we thank him for that? 